Good morning. How's everybody doing? I want to tell you a story. I want you to get your Bible turned to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I'm going to tell you a story um, about God's favor. Not sure if this particular passage is where that originated or not, but this is certainly one of those places that describes what it looked like and, and kind of how it got here. I, I wish I could say it goes back to Genesis this or whatever, but I'm saying uh, the favor of God was prophesied back in, uh, in Isaiah's time, and this story today is going to tell you kind of how that, how that took place, what that looks like, and what is the result of us living under the favor of God. So uh, here's, here's a little background on where we're going. After Jesus had come through the temptation of preparation in the wilderness. You remember that for 40 days where he was tempted? He went out for 40 days and the, and the devil just had at him. You remember that? I won't go into that whole story. But uh, Jesus spent 40 days being tempted of the devil and at the end of that, the scripture said that he was filled with the Spirit. He returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, Holy Ghost. Don't, didn't we enjoy him showing up here last week? I mean, did you, didn't you enjoy what he had to do around here last week? That was amazing. Uh, in fact, y'all just about, just this first service went right into the second one. And the second one got done at 104. So for those of you that are, that are, are new, don't, don't get scared and think, oh, my lands are going to be here at 1 o'clock today. Uh, that the Holy Spirit showed up last week and decided to do some things, and it was pretty amazing, and he's always welcome. That same Holy Spirit who is a person, he, he gave power to Jesus in, in and through this 40 days of temptation and this experience, and after Jesus had returned from that in the power of the Holy Spirit, the word began to spread about him, and he started teaching in various synagogues all around that area. And the scripture said that he was praised by everybody that heard him speak because when the Holy Spirit is, is on and in a person, uh, it will cause others to want to hear what they have to say. And so the, the, this is how they're describing him, saying, man, everywhere he went, he was praised by the people. They loved hearing what he had to say. Look at verse 16 in Luke chapter 4. It said, then Jesus came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up where he grew up as a kid. As usual, he went into the synagogue on the day of worship and he stood up to read the lesson. Now, understand that, that it was customary out of reverence in their day that any time they read from one of the scrolls that they stood to their feet, that said they didn't even... They didn't even lean on something, but if they were the one that was chosen to read the word, they would stand to their feet and they would read the word. The attendant gave him the book of the prophet Isaiah and he opened it. When it says he opened it, it the, 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 the scripture in the synagogues was not, probably in most cases, it was, it was not one book. It was several scrolls, each one representing uh, a different writing or book of the Bible. And so when it says he opened up the book, what that looks like, it would have been something like this. They would have handed him the scroll, and he would have unrolled it from either end, okay? So he unrolls the scroll from either end to the place, depending on where he wanted to go, he unrolls the scroll to the place where he gets to the passage of Isaiah 61. And he begins to read, 
And he says, the spirit of the Lord is with me, and he has anointed me to tell the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce forgiveness to the prisoners of sin and the restoring of sight to the blind, to forgive those who have been shattered by sin, to announce the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant. He sat down, and everybody in the synagogue is watching him closely or intently. And then he said to them, this passage came true today when you heard me read it. Now, that particular statement right there angered them to some extent, but it might not be what angered them to the point that they wanted to kill him. Because if you continue to read this passage of Scripture, you will see that in just a few moments' time, these neighbors of his who he's grown up around are ready to kill him. It's not just because in their mind maybe he has been sacrilegious or even blasphemed by saying that he is some, something important when they know him as just being Joseph and Mary's kid, the carpenter's kid from down, down the block. That might have been enough to infuriate some of them, but if you continue to read the passage of Scripture on down a little farther, you will see that Jesus begins to explain to them why the miracles he's been doing. They've been hearing about these miracles. He starts explaining to them why the miracles that he's been doing have been happening for the Gentiles and not for the Jews, not for his own people. And... He explains to them that the reason that he's able to go other places and do these miracles is because as a, he is received in those places as a prophet. And here in his own hometown, they're just considering him a kid, just a kid from down the street. And so because of basically their lack of faith, he's unable to do some of the miracles. That's what made him mad. That he would go and bestow these miracles upon people who weren't even part of his own. That he would leave there and he would go, he said, you know, uh, he'll, he'll go over here and heal sick and, and open blinded eyes and do miracles. And they're like, here we are right here, we're sick right here and you're not, even, you're not even taking care of us. You're out here doing all this stuff. Maybe you're not who you really say you are. Maybe we're just hearing these stories. Maybe they're not legitimate. Maybe they're not true. And they're so angry by this whole discourse of him standing and saying, well, I'm that guy, but I'm just not doing it here for you because you aren't doing right. It angers them to such a point that they push him out of town toward the cliff of a, the, the edge of a hill and they're going to push him off the cliff. And the scripture said that he just walked through them. He, I don't know. It would be interesting to find out how that happened. Did he, did he somehow just... I don't know, did he just somehow cause them all to just stand still and he walked? I don't know how all that transpires, but the scripture said that they were going to kill him and he just walks through the midst of them and leaves. That day, before he left, the prophecy of Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 3 had come to pass right in front of these people. Jesus told them that day, he said, I am here to do what the prophet said somebody was going to do all those years ago. The guy he was talking about is me. The things he said that were going to happen, I'm the one that's here to do them. And Luke 4.19 was fulfilled that day. It says, this was the year of the Lord's favor. You see that in your, whatever translation you're looking at. It may be worded a little bit differently, but it's the same. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up meaning the same thing. He says, 
Luke 4.19, this is the year of the Lord's favor. Or that better would be understood by us if we put it this way. He was saying now is the time when God is willing to accept or receive sinners that are coming to him. This, he said, he was declaring that day. He was declaring, he's saying, as of this day, we are entering into a new chapter of the book. As of this day, we are entering into the year of the Lord's favor. Or this is the time that now God has decided he is going to start accepting and receiving us and forgiving us for our sins under this, what he didn't even use these words, but what we understand now is this new dispensation of grace. The year of the Lord's favor has opened the door to the dispensation of grace that we get to live in. Somebody say amen. I love the dispensation of grace. I'm so thankful I didn't live in the dispensation of the law. That would have been tough. God must have known I wouldn't have done well, so he put me in the grace period. He's also perhaps referring to the the year of Jubilee. You remember that from the Old Testament? The year of Jubilee was the year of freedom. It was the time every 50 years that that they had to release everyone from from bondage. They had to turn everybody loose. They had to release all the debts. it 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 was a great time for people who were poor, and it probably wasn't much fun for the folks that had a monopoly on everybody else. There was a lot of celebration in the year of jubilation. Because at that time, the whole land was proclaimed to be in liberty or free. Remission of debts, restoration of possessions to their original families. So this acceptable year means the time when it would have been acceptable to, for, for God to proclaim such a message. They would have understood that message. If it, were, if it were likened to the year of Jubilee, it was, we have entered into the day of the Lord's favor, and the way you guys would understand it if you live back then is, hey, it's almost like we've just entered into a perpetual year of Jubilee. Why? Well, it's different in some ways, because it's not necessarily the... The, the year of Jubilee where you get your land back that belonged to your family for uh, hundreds of years ago. But what's happening here, he says, is this unfolding, this, this new chapter, this, this new day is releasing for us what we will call and understand as God's favor. We've entered into the day of the Lord. We've entered into the day of God's favor. What does God's favor look like? And if you look at this verse, you'll see this is what Jesus was talking about. It's what it means, verse 18. Said that Jesus had been anointed to do many things. Four of them are listed right here. If you're ready, write these down. So we know, we said, well, I could ask anybody here that knows anything about the church, and you would say, well, we know why Jesus came. Because he came to the earth to be the sinless sacrifice. He died on the cross for our sins. Yes, all that is true. He did come to do that. That was primarily what his work was for. But he came to do some other things as well. Uh, that, that one on the cross was what the most important thing for all of us. That we, If we didn't get anything else, we got to get that. But, but Jesus said to them that day in the synagogue, I've come to do more than that. I have come to open up for you 
the year of the Lord's favor, not just a year, I have come to open up for you a new dispensation of grace. I have come to show you that God's favor now is going to be with this generation until the end of time. What does that look like? And Jesus spelled it out in those verses. God's favor does these four things. Number one, God's favor tells us something. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to tell the good news to the poor. It's the first thing he said. After he said, this day this has been fulfilled, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me so that I can tell you good news. He's chosen me to tell good news to the poor. Or he brings good news to everyone who previously had none. That's what this means. Because you have to understand what the poor means here. If you don't, if you don't understand this, it's kind of weird to you. It's like, okay, he's come to tell the poor good news. So that would, you know, logically to me, that would say, okay, all the people who were who were financially destitute, he has come to bring them good news. That must be what this is saying. No, you got to understand who the poor refers to. Poor here refers to anyone that is maybe a beggar, but beyond that, anyone who is distressed, miserable, or afflicted. He says, I have come to bring good news to people who previously didn't have any good news, they were beggars, they were distressed, they were miserable, they were afflicted. It's anybody who does not have an adequate knowledge of the good news, that person is poor. There are billions of people on this planet today who may in their area, in their town, their hometown, they may be one of the most wealthy people in their hometown, but according to this passage of scripture, we would define them as being poor because they don't have an adequate witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They can own everything that they can, as far as their eyes can see. They can possess all the animals that are on that land or at least think that they do. But the scripture would refer to them, according to this passage, as being poor people because they don't have an adequate witness of Jesus. He said, on this day I have come to bring good news to people who did not before this time have it. And he is opening, even up to this point, ways for that to happen. In fact, at this point in our life, the technology now exists in greater fashion and form than it ever has so that people all around the world who never heard about the gospel message are now able to receive that, even in places where it is illegal to do so. Jesus said, I have come anointed to tell good news that I want everybody to know that there is hope, that there is peace, that there is joy, that there's abundant life that can be found in me. Jesus said, I've come to preach that message that everybody can be forgiven, that everybody can be a part of the family, that everybody can forever be with God. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah for, for what Jesus was sent here to tell us. He was sent here to tell us we can all be saved. That's good news. If you've been sitting on that good news all your life, it's not that big of a deal. But if this is the first time you're hearing it today, 
somebody's telling you today that regardless of where you came from, where you're born, what you look like, regardless of your status, regardless of your, your socioeconomic status, regardless of where, whatever, that there's good news that says you can be saved and forgiven and set free and you can go to heaven and live with God forever. That's good news. And number two, he said, this day I have come, I am anointed by the Spirit, and I have come to, number two, announce. He sent me to announce forgiveness to the prisoners of sin. Okay, I want you to grab a hold of your seat, because any of those that got any kind of Pentecostal in you at all are going to love this translation. The Greek translates this statement, to announce forgiveness to the prisoners of sin this way to make whole that which has been shattered he said I came to you to announce that all of you that have been shattered can be made whole the day of the favor of God says now you can be forgiven and you can also be put back together You can have wholeness or wellness that regardless of what happened in your past, regardless of what has happened in your mind or to your body, Jesus said, here's a dispensation, a chapter in the book that's been opened up. I'm opening it up today to tell you, you don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to be broken and shattered. You don't have to be that person, but you're somebody new. You're going to be created in newness, the newness of life. You're going to have a a familiarity with God. You're going to look like a son or a daughter of God the Father and a brother or a sister of Jesus Christ. I have come, he said, to announce this to you. All of you that were prisoners of sin, all of you that were shattered by the effects of sin and failure, Jesus said, I've come to heal you, make you well, make you whole, cure you from whatever the stain or the ill effect that sin had on you. Forgiveness and wholeness is possible And available to all of you because of the favor of God in the year of favor. Number three. He said, I've come to restore. The restoring of sight to the blind. Here's the promise of restoration of sight. It can be either physical or mental. Many times in scripture, this was manifest by Jesus physically. Here's what I find so interesting when I run reference on all the times that we know of that Jesus healed the blind in the New Testament. Every time he did it, he did it a different way, it seems like, or at least several times it was different. One time it's, he says to the guy, your, your faith has made you whole. You can see. That's it. He spoke the word. Next time, he touches them and they're healed. The next time, he makes a spitball, puts it on their eyes, tell them to go wash in the, in the pool of Siloam, which means the pool of scent. He sent them off to do something. And I thought to myself, what's the common denominator in all of those? If you're looking at it from the angle that I just said it, you won't get it. The common denominator is not in the touch, the spitball, or the word. The common denominator is this. Jesus was showing us that he could heal the blind eye and do it different every time, but he could do it however and whenever he wanted to. That was the common denominator. This is what I find so cool about this passage of Scripture. 
Jesus said this day, here in this, now that we are entered into this year of the Lord's favor, part of the favor is, he says, I'm going to be anointed from now on to restore sight to the blind. Pick up on something here. In some of the passages of scripture, he doesn't just heal blind people, but he restores sight to people who used to see and had lost their sight. He uses that terminology to say, I have come to restore sight to the blind. That means they previously had to see before. Some of you are getting ahead of me. You always do this. You're way too smart. I bet I know where he's going with this. For all of those of you who know somebody who used to serve Jesus, but their eyes have become blind for some reason. Jesus said there was, they talked about the one in the scripture who was blind because of demon possession. He had lost the ability to see and to, and to speak because he had become demon possessed. There can be different reasons why a person can go blind. And I'm not saying that they go blind out of demon possession very often. Most of the time, that's not the reason why people go blind. I'm just saying that that can be a possibility. A lot of people, it's just, it's just these human bodies aren't made to last forever. And we break down here or there. Some of us break down in one place and others break down in another. And sometimes the place they break down is in their ability to see. The cool news is this. Jesus said, I have come to give sight to the blind and restore sight to those who previously could see. I love the physical mental picture here, but I love perhaps even more the spiritual mental picture that I see here because I know because of examples over and over in the New Testament that he healed the blind eyes, physically healed the blind eyes, but how many more times did he do that in the spirit? And so what he is saying to all of you moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas and, and uncles and aunts and cousins and brothers and sisters, all of you that are so desperately worried about the kid or the, or the person or the, the husband who knows the truth but refuses to live it, understand Jesus said on this day, I have come to tell you, I have come to restore the sight to those who used to see, they will be able to see again. Don't stop praying for those people that have backslidden and walked away from God. Jesus said, I have the ability to restore sight to the blind. That ought to encourage somebody to some mom and dad that's been up at night praying and seeking the Lord and crying. God, don't forget about my daughter. Don't forget about my son, my granddaughter, my grandson. Don't forget about them, Lord. I know they know the truth. Jesus said, I got it. I have the ability to open eyes that used to see so that they will see the truth again. And number four, he said, forgiveness. To forgive those who've been shattered by sin. The favor of God liberates. It forgives. And forgives here means liberty. The, 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 it talks about being bruised, but the, the, the phrase here is, is this. It's liberty for the crushed. You hear that? Liberty for the crushed. The, the King James uses the word bruised. Do you see that? 
Bruised means someone who has been pressed down by great calamity. Someone whose hearts are pressed or bruised by the consciousness of sin. To set them at liberty is the same as to free them from this pressure or to give them consolation or freedom or liberation. How many of you have been set free by Jesus? You remember what it felt like to carry the weight of the sin before you gave it over to Christ? And some of you believers need to do that now. You, you've accepted Jesus, but you won't turn loose of the sin that continues to bruise you, continues to crush you, continues to weigh you down. Jesus said on that day when he opened up the book, he said, we've opened up the chapter of a new book here today. I have come to tell you that you can be set free, that you can be liberated, that you can receive the freedom from your past, your sin, your failure, and the repercussions of all of that. Jesus was anointed to share the provisions of God's favor to us. And I want you to see something. We're about to wrap this up. But that day in the synagogue, when Jesus stood up to read, he not only rolled open the scrolls, he didn't just open the scrolls, but he opened up the way for God's favor to be poured out on all of us. My question to us is today, won't you open up your heart and receive the provisions of his favor? Why would you leave here without receiving the favor of God into your life? And my questions are these. In light of what Jesus himself, God, said, in light of what Jesus himself said he was here to do, why would you not respond and allow that favor to be shed in your life? So those, here are the questions. Number one, do you need to receive the good news and be set free? Do you need to receive the good news and be set free? And if so, why not? Why not do it? Here's your chance. Number two, do you need to have all of the shattered pieces of your heart made well and whole again? If you do, why don't you? That's what he said he is here today to do. To make you whole and well again. Number three, do you need to have your sight restored? And what's so cool about this one is, I don't think I'm doing too much damage to the context. I'm certainly not doing any damage to context scripturally when I say that this healing, this sight is not just relegated to blindness, but that the Lord is asking us this morning, does, does anyone in this place need to receive physical healing of any kind because he's able to heal us? And number four, do you need to get freedom and liberty from your sin or your past sins that have just been crushing you? I know too many believers who are rendered ineffective in their walk with Christ and their effectiveness to do ministry because they carry such a burden and such a weight and such a load of guilt and shame for things in the past that God doesn't even remember. He looks at us hunkered down, crouched over, bended, bowed, 
under the heavy weights of sin that the enemy continues to remind us about. And God looks at us and says, why are they walking that way? Why don't they stand up straight and run a while? It's because they are choosing to carry a load that God has said they don't need to carry. Jesus said, on that day, I have come to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. You remember? These are the things that Jesus, when he stood up that day, they handed him the book, and he stood up, and he rolled it out to Isaiah 61, and he began to read that, and he said, today, all of that is possible because of me. I'm here to show you what it looks like to live in the year of God's favor. What it looks like to walk in the knowledge of the favor of God. What it feels like to be forgiven, restored, set free. The favor of God is here for you today. I want all of you to close your eyes for just a minute because I want you to visualize something. Close your eyes and I want you to see a picture. I want you to visualize Jesus. He's standing right here in our midst and he's he's holding these scrolls in his hand and he's rolling them out and he is saying to us in this room, this passage came true today when you heard me read it. You see it? Can you do it? That'll set you free. There's Jesus in our midst. And he's saying, Now we're living in the year of God's favor. Come to the altars. I believe that miracles are waiting for you here. Come and experience the favor of God. Don't Let this moment get by. Who's coming, Pastor? Who should come to the altar? Everyone who wants to receive that good news and be set free. Every person who wants the shattered pieces of their heart to be made well and whole. Every person who wants to have their sight restored or they need physical healing. Every person who wants to be free, who wants to have liberty from their past sins the sins that have been crushing them. That's who I'm talking to. If that's you, don't wait. But during this song, get to your feet. Come to these altars. Get down on your knees or stand or sit or whatever you want to do. But get free before you leave. The same Holy Ghost who was here last week is here right now. And He is here to carry out the work that Jesus said had begun on that day in the synagogue. Come on, let's pray.